Good afternoon. And happy new year. Happy new year? How many of y'all glad for a new year? Y'all don't sound convinced. How many of y'all happy for a new year? Okay, that's what's up. That's what's up. I heard a couple of fake screams, so I'm glad uh, to hear <laughs> that um, everyone's excited about being in a new season of life, hopefully. Amen, somebody. Amen. Um, the, uh, just a few things as, as we um, begin our gathering today. I just found out that uh, Nico and Daisha got engaged. Are they here? He was just right there. Where you go? Oh, there you are. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. Hey. <laughs> okay, you happy. I was wondering, since when you was happy, you just kind of sitting there, but you happy? That's a good thing, right? Okay, I'm just making sure now. You know, we can have a counseling session right after this, you know. She said, no, nah, okay, okay, praise God. Um, uh, Simone, who was at Epiphany, Philly, is now in Epiphany, came to her and Caleb. They had their child last night. Nine pounds. Woo! That, that don't touch uh, Matt and Kendall. That was 11. No C-section. Shorty came, I'm like, hi, Mom and Dad, how y'all doing? <laughs> I was like, wow, Shorty is massive. So I was like, wow. I was like, the Lord knows. Oh my God, God bless sisters for carrying babies. Hallelujah for the baby carrying anointing. Uh, so we got a bunch, where are all the pregnant women at? Put your hands up. One, two, three, four, dang it, five, six, seven. Good God, what in the world? Man, it's, man, something in the water. <laughs> babies everywhere. Praise God for people getting married and having babies. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That is, a, that, is, that is a blessing. Children are a blessing from the Lord. So much in our culture seeks to block children through marriages coming into existence. So it's a beautiful thing to see men and women uh, loving Jesus, loving one another, having babies, loving them, raising them up to be a godly seed. So, so we're excited about that. <clears throat> just a few things. Uh, we want to keep uh, lifted our, our basketball league. We just capped out on the amount of people that can be a part of it. So many students came from the neighborhood, kids came from the neighborhood that we can't accept anymore. We had to start two more teams just to facilitate all the children in the neighborhood that were bringing their friends. They bring 10 every week, 10 more every week. Like, what in the, you know, and so it's like God's just blessing that ministry. I want you to keep lifted, you know, all of our coaches. Uh, all of our coaches, uh, our scoreboard folk, and you know, folk keepers, all the different people that are involved with it, want to keep them lifted up that they would uh, always have a patient spirit. Y'all ought to hear me right. So I should have had every amen should have came up in the ministry right there. And, um, and, and for opportunities to share Jesus, opportunities for gospel. Families are coming to watch the kids at games on Saturdays. And so we want to rub up against them in a loving loving, loving, loving way. So I really want you to keep that as a point um, of prayer as we, as we move forward. So that's kind of our, our local mission stuff that you want to keep lifted up in prayer. That's just some of it. That's just a part of it, a fraction of it. Then we want to pray for Epiphany Camden. They are one year old this month. Amen. So they're a year in and a lot of souls saved and we're just praying for them next. One, one of the big prayer requests for them is facility space. Because they're meeting in the Catholic Church, and you know, people walk in 
Catholic, you know, the church is supposed to be, oh, buildings open all the time, so pastor preaching, people genuflecting and swinging rosary beads around, so we want to, you know, throwing oil at them and stuff, and I'm just playing, but they, they, there is some distractions all around, like, it's hard to, your kid's scared of the statue looking at them like that, you know, kid want to get out of there, so you want to, you want to pray for them that they would get, I'm just being honest, my son, my youngest son did not want any parts of that church building. Uh, he pulled us away. He said, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. So, so um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. That's what he said. He was scared to death. Them statues were staring. And you know when you walk past the statue, still look like it's looking at you, even though it's looking that way. It looked like it's going like this. He did not like that. So keep them lifted up in prayer as a church because they, they're trying to get an intimate worship space uh, so that they can have and, and they got a couple of op- options. And just knowing as a pastor, church planter, uh, missionary, you, it's all, that's always a major, major issue is space. So keep them lifted up and their volunteer base and leadership. Also, finally, this year we want to, and I'll be talking about this in a few weeks in State of the Church Address internationally, we still have a partnership with Malawi this year. Amen. 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 And we, what we want to do this year is we want to, we're going to be taking up quarterly offerings, which we'll be giving you more updates on, and the offerings will specifically be for helping them build a school there. Um, some of the young ladies, as they're walking uh, to school uh, on the, is it the two-hour walk, Pastor Larry? Uh, two-hour walk, and many of them get raped on the way to school. So what we want to do is we want to come alongside of our brothers and sisters in Christ in Malawi and the church there specifically, and they want to build a school that's near their village, closer to where they are, so they won't have to take that walk and be in any risk of danger, rape, and they can walk right outside the crib and go not too far and go to school. And so we want to come alongside. We're empowering the church to do that. So it's not just America coming over to take over. It's us empowering the church there to do the ministry to their own people. Amen, somebody. And so that's, that's, that's just a brief picture at the local, national, and international ministry of Epiphany Fellowship where we're seeking to show off the glory of Christ. Where? Yeah, and so that, oh, Lord, that wasn't convinced. Show off the glory of Christ. And so that's very, very important. So keep these lifted up during our solemn assembly this week. As I end the message today, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of walk through some solemn assembly stuff, but I really want us to keep those particular three items heavy and hot and high on the prayer list for us uh, today. Well, without any further ado, let's stand. Turn your Bible to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Uh, we, we're going to be going through that psalm today. We'll start to the, the, the Eve Redeemed series next month. I know the ladies, y'all, like, where's that at? It's January, Pastor. So, um, but next month, we're going to get into it. Next month is going to be a, a wonderful time. You know that's what they were doing. That's, and you did it. That's why you did your neck like that. All right. What is up with the sisters with the neck thing? I just want to know where that indigenously is from. I don't know. I love y'all, though. We love y'all. But the neck, the neck, I'm just saying. All right, verse 1. I'm messing with it. Verse 1. Darius, don't get on it, Darius. I was messing with it. Ver, uh, ch- uh, chapter 23, verse 1. I'll read. You continue. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You keep going. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Mm-hmm. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of death, <coughs> yeah. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your 
presence of my enemies. Yeah. Oil. Yep, I want to just talk about for a little while the sovereign shepherd, the sovereign shepherd. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to just begin to bask in this new year on you being our guide. God, I pray that today that we would get a sense of your, the, the life that you give, the directives that you give, and the clarity that you give for us to be able to walk with you through all different types of seasons of life. And so, Lord, uh, help me to abandon my power as I preach today and send power that makes preaching easy and connects it to hearts for transformation and change and newness of life and clarity in the midst of fog. And so, Lord, in order to do that, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, our Redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Psalm 23 is one of those popular verses uh, that um, whether you're a believer or not, you've been acquainted with. You'll see it in cubicles at people's job. Uh, It's just something about just the sense and 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 the solemn comfort that comes through uh, Psalm 23. It's a very, very powerful psalm, and it's a psalm really in the category uh, 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 by itself because it's a psalm of comfort. Somebody say comfort. And and, and it's a psalm that lays out the seasons of the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. It's going to walk through really multiple seasons of life to kind of give the sheep clarity not just about what the shepherd does for them, but who the shepherd is. See, the, see the Psalm, the, 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 uh, Psalm 23 is more about the shepherd than it is about the sheep. When you walk away from Psalm 23, you should walk away uh, uh, with a great sense of who this great and powerful shepherd is. Is and, and, and as you walk through it and as you live through it and experience it, it, it is one of the most beautiful experiences for the shepherd to walk you through these different seasons of life. We'll see three particular seasons of life during this psalm. You'll see spring season, you'll see winter season, and you'll see summer season. And you'll see the, the, the reality of all three of those seasons, and you're going to see something different about the shepherd, but something consistent about the shepherd. And, and, and so as we go in here, we see that David, we recognize, was a shepherd at one point in time in his life where he was a, a, a functional shepherd. Shepherds were really the grimy blue-collar workers of their day. And, 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 and so in David being a shepherd, as he reflects under the superintending power of the Holy Spirit as he's writing this passage, he begins to reflect on what it was like to be a shepherd to sheep and then he saw some striking similarities to what it, meant, what it meant to be a shepherd to sheep with the relationship that he had with Yahweh. And so we come here in this passage and we see the sovereign shepherd, which brings me to my first point. If you're going to recognize God as the sovereign shepherd, the first thing you must recognize is God's provision. God's 
provision. Look at verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. First, he starts with the nature and character of what God is alike. I want to come back to that Lord part, but I want to touch on the shepherd piece right now. Shepherds were, were very well, even though they were grimy, they were respected for their faithfulness to sheep. They were, they were respected because of their consistency to sheep. They were protectors. They were guides. They were leaders. They were providers of their sheep. And the psalmist, in recognizing his ability to take care of sheep, points to God's ability to take care of his sheep. And he said, the Lord is, that means this is not just something he does, this is an aspect of his perfections or his character. In other words, everything that God does is based on who he is. Let me say that again. See, everything that God actually executes is something that his character is an exemplification of. And so, and so, so, so God doesn't drum up anything to put on a costume to be God. Everything about God that God is is because it flows out of the glory and beauty of who his character is. And so David is able to say that God is a whole lot of things, but some way, shape, or form on his journey, he didn't know that, he didn't just recognize that God was shepherding him. He knew that the Lord is a shepherd. It's a difference between him shepherding and him being a shepherd. He must have been through some things in his life. He must have been through some corridors and some chambers that helped him to know that, that, that the, the things that were happening in his life that he was being directed through and guided through pointed beyond what God does, but points to who he is. And at some point in your life, as you go through different seasons, you're going to know that God, you have to know that God is. Because is means that it never ends. Is means that it's consistent. Is means that it's faithful. Is means that it has open-ended power. Is means that no matter what type of season you go through, no matter what type of hell you go through, no matter what type of heights you go through, God is going to stay who he is. Yeah. And so we see through the idea of the fact that, that the Lord being a shepherd is, 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 is a massive part of his character. And he's going to show shepherding seasons in a second to let you know that 2012 is going to be different than 2013, but the same as it. Let me see if I can make it plain. How many of y'all had a hard 2012? Oh, Lord, 90%. Now, I, I could... I could prophesy and tell you that your, two, your 2013 is going to be better than your 2012. But see, I don't want to point you to the season of your life. I want to point you to the shepherd of your life. Because see, if I promise you that the season is going to be different, it doesn't change your disposition towards the shepherd. That's why the first thing you got to know is that God is. Y'all ain't with me today. Y'all ain't with me today because, because, because you can prophesy someone into emotional encouragement about circumstances being the same. But if the shepherd ain't with you, I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. God's provision. He says he, the Lord, that's key. Let's, let's, let's look at the idea of the Lord. This is powerful because he's not everybody's shepherd. <laughs> He's not every, how, how does God become your shepherd? It's key, Yahweh, all caps. What does that mean? Sovereign Lord or, guess what? Covenant-keeping God. 
So that means in order for him to be your shepherd, he first has to be your Lord. <laughs> but, 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 but in order for him to be your Lord, you have to have made a covenantal agreement with him. That means that there has to be a covenant that has been cut by him that's an unconditional covenant with you, not anything that you did. Oh, I wish I had some help. Because him being Lord shows the sovereignty of him being the covenant cutter. What is a covenant cutter? A covenant is a legally binding agreement between two or more people. An unconditional covenant is God's decision to be in a relationship with you without your help where he supersedes and keep the covenant even in the midst of you not keeping the covenant and even in the midst of different seasons. Why? Because he is a shepherd. Y'all ain't with me, so I'm going to keep going. Because this covenant-keeping God, he's so powerful. He, he, he's such a ruler that David, he was so blown away by God being his shepherd is he said, I shall not want. Oh, my goodness. The, the, the layout of the Hebraic understanding of this, which is also English, which just means this, that no matter what type of season I go through, God will make sure that everything that I need to honor him and that I need to glorify him will be taken care of. Now, the issue is if I begin to want, I'm not under the lordship of the shepherd. In other words, if you're in the neediness, neediness, then you're not under the shepherd. The lordship of the shepherd directs the people in such a place where we're put in a place where we won't want for anything. Now, we're, going to, we're not going to come anywhere close to the prosperity gospel, but we are going to talk about the fact that you don't have to be in a prosperity gospel to proclaim the fact that God does provide. Because, see, some of us who don't believe in the prosperity gospel have gone the other direction and believe in a poverty gospel. A prosperity gospel means is that the way I know I'm in a right relationship with God is because I have a lot of stuff. The poverty gospel says the way I'm in a right, no, I'm in a right relationship of God is I don't have enough. But, but listen, a gospel-centered understanding of the gospel is that says he, 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 he provides what I need in every single season of my life. That means I'm having trust in him. So I don't have a poverty mentality. That's why David says, don't make me too rich that I forget about you. But then he said, don't make me too poor that I start to steal and dishonor my God. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. And so God being a shepherd is, is, a, is a glorious figure of his shepherding. And he gives different areas of our life where we shall not want in. The first place is his provision. Now, let's understand this. This, this is nestled in the broader scheme of redemptive history. What do I mean by that? Where God was showing off the work of Jesus Christ pre the cross, post the cross, by giving you pictures of the fact that Jesus would fulfill everything. So him being the shepherd points back to an ancient figure uh, back in Genesis 49, 13, where the word shepherd first began. Then it carried over to the Exodus where the people of God knew God as a shepherd when he brought them out of Egypt. He shepherded them through uh, him bringing them out from slavery through boils, through gnats, through flies, through frogs, through all types of things took them into the wilderness and took them through the seasons that David talks about here that's normal for every believer, past, present, and future, 
pre and post the cross because God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. Why? Because the Lord is. See? Present tense. And so he moves forward and he said, I shall not want. And then he says, he makes me. Somebody say he makes me. (laughs) I like that word. That's a good word. Hebrew, Greek, Syriac, Aramaic, it don't matter. Every now and then, God got to make your butt lie down. (laughs) Y'all ain't saying nothing back to the pastor today. Listen, making you lie down every now and then, lie down means to get some rest. This is the shepherd's way of telling you your butt need to sit down somewhere every now and then. Now, now what's beautiful about this is God makes us lie down and rest to show us that he provides for us, not, 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 listen, not merely through our own effort, but through his effort. That's why he says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. That means the shepherd leads him into places, leads the sheep into places all the time. He leads them through different terrain. Now they're in spring season right now, so he makes them lie down in green pastures. When they lay down in green pastures, what happens when they lie down in green pastures is powerful, is they begin to eat of the fruitfulness of walking in a relationship with the shepherd. That means there will be seasons of your life. Well, God will have you lie down and rest yourself and where you have to be made to rest yourself and there will be plushness all around you. As a matter of fact, this idea of green pastures is a place of rest to be fed. It's a place of abundant resources. It's also a place of comfort and it points to God's unfailing provision for his people. Then he says, he, he not only says, he, 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 say, he says, he, he makes me lie down in green paths, he makes me rest, but then he calls you up and, calls, and leads you beside the still waters. Now, this is a powerful term here. This idea points back to when the people of God was coming out of Egypt, and God put up a pillar of fire behind them to keep Pharaoh away from them. And then what happened was, is they didn't know which way to go, but all they knew is that they would be guided by their shepherd. And, and all of a sudden, Moses uh, raised his staff and said, see the salvation of the Lord, and the waters parted. And what they began to do is they began to walk through tumultuous waters, but when they looked beside them, the waters were still. In other words, there are sometimes where God will actually have you go through some stuff, but sometimes he'll save you from some stuff. And what he'll do is he'll hold up what he saved you from as a portrait of his goodness. Because when he made them walk beside the still waters, the waters were standing still. I don't know if they saw fish in there, whales in there, whatever they saw. But all they see is the turmoil that could have happened to them that the Lord led them beside. Every now and then you need to recognize that God not only allows you to go through a difficult time of suffering. We're not masochists. Sometimes God gracefully helps you to avoid some stuff that could have put you in a bad position. And he lets you look at that thing as a portrait to recognize what could have been. Let me tell you something. If God gave us a videotape of all he kept us from, if God gave us a videotape of every assignment that the enemy had on our life, if God gave us a videotape of how bad it could have, you thought it was bad, but it could have gotten worse. Some of y'all had some STD tests and you was wondering, you should have had. 
something. Oh, I'm, I'm, y'all quiet now because it's hitting a little close to home. But, but God being rich in mercy made the test come back negative. That means he leads you beside calm places. That means he lets you have peace, not because you deserve peace, but because the Lord is your shepherd. That's what's good about God. That's what's good about the gospel is there was some stuff, not just the devil had for you, but that you had for you because of your mess and your failures. Oh, I wish I had help. See, many of y'all don't believe that you failed. You try to assign to it as a mishap or a mistake. But there's some sins in your life as the sheep of his pasture that you deserve worse than what God allowed to happen to you. That's what. And then he was so gracious that he wouldn't let you bull his wrath. That's the gospel. He wouldn't let you bear even the consequences of your sin. But he'll say, I'm going to lead your stupid butt beside the still waters. And then I'm going to let you see consequences as a picture of what it could have been, but what I didn't allow it to be. The Lord is my shepherd. Leads me beside. I like the fact that we beside him. We not in him. Oh, my God. That's a whole nother story. Leads me beside the still waters. The idea of still waters means to learn how to be content. Listen, (coughs) contentment means... (coughs) Listen, not letting circumstance dictate your disposition towards God's goodness. Contentment means to be satisfied with God, no matter what happens. Why? Because contentment supersedes circumstances. That's why Paul was able to say, I've learned the secret of being content. Whether I abound, whether I'm broke or I got loot in the bank. Oh, y'all ain't talking to me. I've learned to be, because see, some of y'all ain't, don't recognize that, see, we got some too many middle, see, you ain't, I've seen some poor people that didn't know where stuff was going to come from. I, 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 want, I want to hear some people that remember, your bills were so bad that the, you had a bank bill. Now, you know you broke when you got a bank bill, overdrawn like a mug. Or y'all quiet on me still. And some people that got pink slips from everywhere, your student, you're out of deferment and all of that with your student loans and everything is due, but nothing is available as a resource. And God likes it. God likes it when it gets like that. When it gets really, really tight in the season of provision, sometimes he'll let it get tight on purpose. He lets it get tight on purpose so that you don't put your faith in circumstances. He lets it get tight on purpose so you won't be afraid of the tight season. He lets things get tight so that you won't allow yourself to put your faith in provision. He allows it to get really, really tight so that he can show you that he can show you his salvation. What do I mean by that? The people of God in the wilderness, they say, God, you done led me out here. Out in the wilderness. We, we got gold, but we can't eat gold, God. You know what I'm saying? We riding our livestock so we don't want to kill them. What are we going to do? And all of a sudden, it started raining. Manna was coming down from heaven. Who would have thought that clouds would open up and manna would rain instead of water? But then the dudes started getting mad because they're meat eaters. They said, we like the bread. That's good and all of that. You know, this honey, this honey wafers or whatever you got, these, these thin waffle thingies, right? Um, even though they got on the ground, they, they didn't stick to the dust, even though they were sticky, because God sovereignly didn't allow the dust of the earth to get on them so they wouldn't have sand in their mouth. See, God be taking care of us stupid behinds. But then all of a sudden, the dudes got their, their grills out because they wanted to grill, but there was nothing to grill. And so they asked God for some meat. And all of a sudden, nobody went hunting, but they woke up one morning and it was quail all out there. 
But then they got thirsty. I wish I had help. And what happened was they looked at a rock and they said, it's so dry out here. It's so dirty out here. It's so dusty out here that it's impossible for us to get something to drink. God, I'm thirsty. And God allowed a rock to give out resources. Listen, there are times in your life where God will not allow your degree to work. There are times in your life where your entrepreneurial grind doesn't work. There are times in your life where your connections won't work. Where he says, see, you're used to coming through for yourself. Uh, But I'm going to put you in a situation where the only one that you'll be able to trust in is me. It wasn't the devil that dried up the... It was God himself. (laughs) And listen, he loves to resource his people out of places where you weren't looking. (laughs) Listen, listen, listen. Whenever God provided for the children of Israel in the wilderness, it was out of clouds, wind, and rocks. Were places... That God says, you never looked in these accounts that I got accounts all over planet Earth. But I'm not going to point you to accounts. I'm going to point you to my account. I'm going to point you to me. See, God wants to point you to himself. So that whether it's lean or whether it's, listen, he wants your faith, your commitment, your trust to be in him and him alone. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. But then he restores your soul. That points to the fact that when you get weary, he'll re-resource you. Listen, sometimes God, listen, God likes to let you get out of your energy fully. Fully, where you ain't got nothing left. But you got a lot of requirements before you. And he does that so that you can know that he can shepherd you to restoration. This is not about salvific restoration here in the text, about in a sense of being justified by faith in him. That's not, this is about weary sheep who have been walking with their shepherd through multiple seasons. They just flat foot, tired, and ain't got... You ever been before God and said, God, I'm empty. I don't have nothing else left. There's an old song that used to say, my storage is empty, but I'm available to you. In other words, the person, the psalmist came to a point where he said, God, I ain't got nothing else. I know you saved me. I know you raised me. But where I am practically, I am empty of strength. I need strength from you. What he does is he restores the souls of those who trust in him to re-resource him. Why? Because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings as eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? Because they waited on the Lord. What did that mean? That means they laid their butt down by the still waters. Why? Because the Lord is your shepherd. I got to keep going. Said he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When you going to find out this psalm ain't about us, it's about him. Everything that he does for you is about his reputation. His reputation, he doesn't view it on the line because his reputation and how people view him really doesn't change his character. 
However, it does concern him that he's viewed properly even if people don't trust him. <laughs> so, so he said he leads me in the path of righteousness. The path of righteousness is interesting. Being led in the path of righteousness means to be directed and guided to the right places. And, and this points to how the shepherd would lead the sheep. Um, they, they, they can all go to a particular water pool where all of the sheep are grazing, uh, eating and, 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 and drinking. And there can be thousands upon thousands of sheep out there. And there could be 50 shepherds uh, for those sheep out there. Each sheep has either a group of shepherds or an individual shepherd. But what's so powerful about the sheep and the shepherd's relationship is they trusted him to guide them. See, sheep are dumb. Sheep can barely see, but God created them with good hearing. And he created them with good hearing for a purpose. All the, all the, 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 a shepherd could have a call, hooty hoo or whatever he got. That's a call, right? And he, and he can go... Whatever it is, it's a particular sound that points the sheep to what. Now, another shepherd can do the exact same sound, but the vocal recognition of their ears is set to the frequency of the one who's truly their shepherd. If anybody else called out to him, they said, that's not him. They'd be over here. That ain't him. They'd be like, you heard that? Nah, that ain't him. Then all of a sudden, they hear the right tune and all of the sheep go whoosh and turn over, boom, and go after their shepherd. And the reason why is Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They hear me and they follow me. Listen, some of y'all ain't get led because you're not listening. Y'all tuned into the wrong frequency. You got the frequency of your boyfriend in your ear. You got the frequency of your girlfriend in your ear. You got the frequency of people's statuses on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, social cam. You got all of that in your ear, but every now and then you need to dead silence everything so I can say, I need to hear from my shepherd. Where's my shepherd's voice? Why? Because many of us don't get movement because we ain't listening. <coughs> and what God wants us to do is to be led by his voice in a rich sense of clarity and depth in our lives. I can remember being on Bowie State's campus and everybody was out partying and I was sick of getting drunk, losing my memory, not knowing what happened. Weeding out with cats. And I, one day, the Lord snatched your boy and then I got up in the room on my knees with the red light on. Y'all don't know nothing about the red light bulb on in the room. I ain't had the black light no more. I had the red light. Went past some of y'all. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about with the fluorescent looking stuff on the wall for, you know, yeah. And so I got on my knees on my bottom bunk and I got on my knees and I said, God, I'm going to sit here until I hear you. God, I'm going to sit here until I hear your voice. God, I'm going to sit here until I know what I'm supposed to do because I sense you drawing me out into your presence. It was March 1994 during pre-spring break where I got my calling to ministry 19 years ago. That every now and then you need to deaden the, the atmosphere of everything else to hear the unique voice of God for your life. Listen, when I was walking around campus looking at honeys, I was like, yeah, I want her. That's not your wife. I was like, uh, dang. I looked at Shorty. I was like, dang. Godly got a little love. Boom. Not your wife. Go over here. God said, sit your butt down and pray. All of a sudden, he said, when you go to the Wiseman Center, the woman that comes out is going to be your wife. 
Then this little chick walked out of there like this. <laughs> Bang! She walked out like this. And, and, and the Holy Ghost, I'm, this is a real story. The Holy Ghost said, there she is. Listen, some stuff God ain't going to show you until you recognize his lordship and that he is your shepherd and you deaden everything. Oh, somebody said, what well, do, is it one person? Seek his face. You ask too many questions. Some of y'all get too much counsel. Go before God. Listen, if you let him, sh he, he's really good at what he does. Like he's a freaking expert. Centuries and ancient with his. Kills it for his glory. Listen, community is good, but community ain't everything. Let's not worship community. We worship the shepherd. I wish I had some help right there. So he'll lead you in the paths of righteousness just to put his name on display. I got to move to the next point. That was one point. Next point. God's, God's protection. Winter season. It says, yea, oh, I'm King James, my bad. Even though I walk. So you got the King James memorization. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But that don't do sound good in the King James version, though. Um, he, said, he, said, he said, even though I walk through the valley. Now, this is when God dries up the green pastures. The water freezes over. And he takes you to rocky places. And, it, and what's interesting is right now is it gets real dark. It gets dark a little quicker. That means at four o'clock, the sun is going down. By five o'clock, it looks like nighttime. So now night lasts from 4 p.m. to 6 a.m. And now the sheep are used to sunlight to 8.30, 9 o'clock. But now it's getting darker a little earlier, but they're still walking with their shepherds. See, the season changed, but the shepherd's still there. So what happens is, is all of a sudden hyenas and wolves and all different types of things, they can hear in the echoes of the mountains at night. And so the sheep would get real scared in the valley because of the fact that they can hear the enemy coming after them. But when the shepherd would stand up amidst the sheep while they're shivering, because the text says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. See, the rod was in one hand, the staff was in another hand. Both of them comforted, but they had two different purposes. One is to defend, and one is to discipline and comfort. Wish I had some help. See, listen, whenever somebody, whenever a wolf came by and they were shivering in fear, the shepherd would hit the wolf. They'd be like, that was close. And then another wolf come from this side, boom, that was close. A coyote comes from this side. There's some, this is mighty close things in your life that God is protecting you from. Y'all ain't gonna shout on that part. But anyway, there's some things that came near you but didn't get to you because the Lord is your shepherd. And what happened is he uses his rod to hit away that which he doesn't want to bother you. He uses his rod to hit away that which tries to destroy you. But then even when there's nothing around, Sometimes because you're so used to being under fire from the enemy, you still shiver. That's what the sheep would do. And so he took his staff, which is translated, can be translated scepter. And what he would do is every now and then the sheep wouldn't know that the, 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 that the shepherd was present. And they would get so scared that he would go. He would nudge him with his staff to say, I'm here. Every now and then, God will let you know over and over and over and over and over, no matter what you feel, no matter what you think, 
no matter how dark it gets, God neatly nudges his sheep to let him know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Some of you have been bamboozled into thinking that he's gone. But right now, I'm saying under his voice, he's nudging you to let you know that even though you don't like your circumstances, he's still with you in the circumstances. How do I know that? Because it says, it says, I, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Listen, God being with you is more than the world against you. Him being with you is more than the world against you. And so him as the protector is the most powerful part of what it means for him to be a, a, a shepherd. And what I like about this is that even though I walk through, <laughs> don't, don't, don't miss that. See, you're only going through what you're going through. Did you get that? You're only going through. So, 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 so that means that God doesn't let you pitch your tent in the valley, but you just go through the valley. And so that means no matter how dark it gets, there's always going to be miniature lights at the end of the tunnel. But then it brings me uh, to my last thing, and that's God's promo. God's promo. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, now I used to think exegetically and background-wise that this means that God puts you at the table with your enemies to eat with them. But read the text. It said, you prepare a table before me in my enemy's presence. Background-wise, the enemy is not at the table. They're looking at the table. Oh, y'all ain't, ain't saying nothing back to me. In other words, what God will do is God turns from shepherd to waiter. And he'll say, come in. And he puts out a table for you. Amen, somebody. And then he puts out a seat and he holds it out for you. And he scoots you in and don't put you in all the way. And then he does like this. He takes your napkin off the table and he puts it across your legs. Four-star quality with God with his. And what he'll begin to do is he'll serve you and show his presence. The reason why he does that is for two reasons. The reason why he does it is for people that try to destroy you, people that try to slander you, People that said that God wasn't with you, people that said that God wasn't in it, people that said that God was against you, people that tried to destroy you, what God will do in the midst of the devil and people that hate on what God is doing, he'll say, I don't, I, he said, I'm going to show you that I'm with them. The reason why I want to show you that I'm with them, because I will lead them in the path of righteousness, not just to set them up at the table, but this is about my name. And so I want to show off my presence with you. There's some, some, there's some of y'all, y'all have gone through being wrong and you don't even understand why. But just get ready. Because one of these old days, God's going to set up a table in view of everybody. Y'all ain't with me. If I was in the Pentecostal church, they would have been with me. But, it, but, but what he also does it for you. He does it for you as you're sitting down at the table so that you can recognize that all of those valleys you went through, all of those caverns you went through, all of that darkness you went through, all of that loneliness you went through was for a reason. He, listen, listen, listen. When you go through all of that you went through, hell broke loose on this end and that end. God is telling you that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rise up against you in judgment, I will cast down. Why? Because I lead you in the path of righteousness for my name's sake. Why? Because I am your shepherd. And it gets so crazy that the psalmist said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, now it, it, it really doesn't follow you. That's not the best translation of it. 
It means that no matter how far you go or where you go, goodness and mercy hunts you down and actually overtakes you. Oh, my God. It doesn't mean it's just because if it's following you, it ain't touched you yet. But you don't need goodness and mercy to just be behind you. You need it to get in front of you. You need it beside you. You need it on. You need you need it in you. So goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. He said, and he anointed my head with oil. And this is powerful because in the summertime, it get real hot. And see, when, when the sheep are enjoying the presence of the shepherd in this exaltation time, what will happen is pests will come. And all these pests will get in their nose and bore into their brain and do all this stuff. And sheep will hit their head. So what the shepherd would do is he would take an oil mixture in the midst of the hot sun and in the midst of a dry season. And what he'd do is he'd pour the oil on the sheep's head and then put it all up in their nose so that when the pest came, they'd run off because the shepherd puts the oil on the sheep to keep the enemies away. Yeah. Y'all ain't hear that. The oil is on the sheep to keep the enemy away. Somebody gonna get it on the way home. The oil is on the sheep to keep the enemies away. Listen, God puts oil on you. He puts the anointing of his presence on you to deflect anything that would attempt to destroy you. But there's only one way that this happened through the, the ultimate covenant in the Bible is the way Jesus did something that's phenomenal. It says that the true shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's John 10. Jesus lays down his life for the sheep points to the fact that the ultimate price is paid by the shepherd to make sure that the sheep become sheep of the shepherd. What's beautiful about Christ is he fully fulfills this passage. He fully fulfills what it means for the Lord to be our shepherd. He, he, he did it so powerfully that he came from being our eternal shepherd in eternity and he took on an additional nature. And he came on the planet Earth and he lived the life that we can never live and died the death that we can never die in order to earn the right to point to the fact that he's the true shepherd. Based on Ezekiel 34, God said, I will raise up a shepherd like me. And this shepherd won't be like the other shepherds who take from you, who don't feed you, who don't love you. But I'll be the ultimate shepherd to take ultimate care of you. And Jesus Christ is the ultimate shepherd that opens up the reality of what? He says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And guess what he said? He said, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What does that point to? That means that there's a point. He's not saying he's going to be in the temple all the time. It's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is that there's going to come a point on your journey as you go through all of these seasons and you get used to the fact that the shepherd is always there. When you get used to it, you begin to say, I'm going to live in the reality of your presence all the time. I'm not going to get your presence because we're in covenant. I already have your presence. I just need to realize that your presence is here. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but God is not giving you a better 2013. He's giving you a better sense of his presence in 2013. <laughs> because listen, the seasons are never going to change. There's going to be high times and there's going to be low times. But the only thing that stays the same is the goodness of God. Rain comes, thunderstorms come. But everything in your life changes, but God himself 
remains the same. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but some of y'all are letting seasons dictate your heart's position. And what God is saying to you today is I want you to allow my presence in Christ to supersede everything in your life. It's going to get lean. I'm going to prophesy something to you today. It's going to get lean for some of y'all this year. Some of y'all are going to get sick this year. Some of y'all are going to have some broken relationships this year. You're going to go through a whole bunch of hell and challenges. But I can promise you this. He'll be there. Some of y'all are going to get financial blessings. Some of y'all are going to get new jobs. Some of y'all are going to get married. Some of y'all are going to get new opportunities. But the issue is the goodness of the Lord stays the same. And since his goodness stays the same, your disposition towards him must remain the same. And when it gets difficult, I'm closing, when it gets difficult and the spirit of heaven has come on you, you put on the garment of praise. Oh, my goodness. What is the garment of praise doing? I'm closing. The garment of praise. See, I ain't got a lot of praisers at Epiphany Fellowship because y'all are conservative theologian listener types. But see, for people who theologically understand the whole council, they know that when you don't sense his presence, you say, let me shake off the spirit of heaviness right now. And I'm going to put on the garment of praise. And what the garment of praise does is it's the disposition of the believer's soul that says, I'm going to praise God even though I don't feel him. I'm going to bless his name even though I don't sense his presence. Situations and circumstances don't reflect where I want them to be. But I'm going to praise myself into the place where my soul magnifies the Lord. I'm going to praise myself into the place. Well, I recognize that this circumstance, this pain ain't going to dictate the goodness of God. See, some of y'all need to learn to see. That's why you look. See, some of y'all looking at me funny. Oh, we're getting charismatic. What's happening to the church? No, it's becoming a true church. Because the true worshipers of God will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, you can sit on it all you want, but your sitting on it doesn't change his goodness. But I wish I had about 50 people, yeah, we're changing, that are going to say this morning that no matter what happens to me, whether I'm up, whether I'm down, whether I'm surrounded, all around, he's good, he's good, he's good, and his mercy endures forever. I praise him in the nighttime. I praise him in the daytime. I praise him in the evening. I praise him in the afternoon because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The Lord is. The Lord is. The Lord is your shepherd. Don't want today. Don't need today because he's everything that you can ever desire and everything that you'd hope to be. And so this year, this year, Don't waste your time letting your circumstances make you think that God has abandoned you. The last thing Jesus said before he left, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Some of you felt forsaken in 2012. But God says, I'm going to teach you at the beginning of the year. That when you praise me, 
it makes you realize that I'm not gone. Because how, where do we get that from? Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. Whenever your spirit is low on sensing the fullness of the spirit, we admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. And what happens is, is the spirit fills us, not as a glass, but we submit to his control. When you submit to his control, you can see the shepherd more clearly. You can hear the voice of the shepherd more clearly. You can walk in the path of righteousness more clearly. You can recognize that you won't want more clearly. Why? Because the Lord is your shepherd. I'm going to say it again. The Lord is your shepherd. Get it this year. Get it today. That he's de- he is determined. He's determined that for his name's sake that he's for you. Somebody hurting needs to know that. He's for you. Even though right now you're not for him. He's for you. And he's waiting with outstretched arms to shepherd you throughout life circumstance. One of the things I love about this psalm is they went from rocky terrain to dry terrain to cold terrain to plush terrain. And the shepherd was the one that guided them through each season of life. Father, maybe there's someone today who doesn't know Jesus as their shepherd. Maybe there's someone here that does not recognize you as their shepherd, haven't trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. God, you're waiting with outstretched arms, God, to guide and lead and to protect throughout all the seasons of life. So the beautiful thing about it is that Christ came to bridge the gap by dying on the cross for the sheep. He says he lays down his life for the sheep. And maybe you're here today and you don't recognize the fact that you're a sinner separated from God. A sinner means that you missed the mark of God's perfect, uh, perfect, uh, his perfect, not just plan, but his perfect standard. The Bible says all of sin that falls short of the glory of God. That means that all of us have been separated from God through Adam. No relationship. But Christ came to be God's rightness, to, to make us right with God. The way he did it is God requires a blood sacrifice, life for life, death for death. And what he does is when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he put all the sins of the sheep on him, past, present, and future. And Christ died on the cross for the sheep and was raised up from the grave for the sheep and becomes their shepherd when they repent of their sin and turn towards his sacrifice on the cross for their sin. Maybe you're here today and you need to put your confidence, not, not, not baptism doesn't save you. If you, got, if you got baptized at 12, that doesn't count. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, that doesn't matter. Coming to church, being in the choir, being an alcoholite, helping the old, none of that saves you. Christ's death and Christ alone on the cross 
turns those who are not his into his. That's the gospel.